My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 11. Welcome to this edition of My Car Guru. Today, I'm going to provide you with some valuable information to protect your young'uns, especially your young drivers. You know, sometimes I've seen parents really struggle with the type of vehicle to buy for their kids. You know, but sometimes these days, grandparents are the ones buying the vehicles for the kids. And they may have the mistaken idea that they need to make the kids happy. No, that's not what you need to do. You know what should make them happy? Freedom. The freedom to move around without you in the front seat telling them what to do. That's what they should be happy about, not what they're driving. Because too often kids' egos, gets, they get tied up in, in the type of car that they have. You know, makes their head get big. Therefore, my thought process on this goes in a little bit different direction. I want them to be a little bit ashamed of what they're driving. That's right. You know, if they're ashamed of it, they won't be, you know, offering rides to people all over the place. You know? I mean, you just think about it. They, if somebody gets a brand new Mustang, that's their first car. Oh, they got to show it to everybody, you know, and they got to show people, you know, do some burnouts and stuff like that. But if they're driving a, you know, a front-wheel drive Hyundai Sonata that's five years old, yeah, a little bit less likely to want to show it show it off. You know, they're just they'll park it in the far end of the parking lot. They really don't want anybody to see it, and that's good uh, because you don't want it to. Uh, you know, a, a real hot car, something that's brand new, it draws the other teenagers like a magnet. And they say that the number they, I'll tell you who says it. The highway, the Institute for Highway Safety says that the most likely cause of an accident for a teen driver are other teens in the car. Distractions. Cell phones, even. So what are we going to do about that? Well, I'll tell you here in just a minute. Okay, so your teen driver, he's 16 now, and he's smarter than you, right? Well, he thinks, he or she thinks they are, but they're not. You know, they don't have your level of maturity They certainly don't have your experience in life or in driving. So that makes driving pretty risky. Uh, If they are going to drive, you need to choose a safe vehicle for them. Um, You know, and also something that's going to be reliable. So I did a little bit of research on your behalf. I checked with the uh, Insurance Institute for Highway Safety. I also checked with Consumer Reports, although I don't like them that much. Um, But they do have some good points in uh, in their research. So, you know, how much are you going to spend? I had a lady call me the other day, and she said, I, I, I've been looking at this um, Subaru that I can buy. It's got 160,000 miles on it, and um, they only want $2,500 for it. Should I buy that car? Well, my answer is you can't buy a good car, something that's going to be even moderately reliable, for less than five or six thousand, you spend less than that, then there's a problem with it. I mean, it's using oil, you know, it's got the check engine light on, airbag light, you know, there's something wrong that somebody hasn't been able to fix, or it's got two hundred thousand plus. You know, those are those are going to be the restrictions. You know, I don't want to buy a car for my kid that has miles over a hundred thousand if I can avoid it, because I just you, you don't know about the history and and how the vehicle has been treated, especially if you buy it. You know, for online, 
I mean, if you go to a, a new car or used car dealership in, in your area and they have uh, local trade-ins, doesn't mean it didn't come from someplace far off, but you can pull the history report on it and fi- find out where it came from. And if it's 10 years old or newer than that, then you can go to the dealership that sells that particular model and get the warranty history. I just want to see that just so that I can see if it was a problem car because, you know, it's not going to show that in a Carfax or an auto check report. We use auto check more than Carfax, but, you know, you just can't see everything and and you have to dig a little deeper. I think that's important to know where the car came from and how it was being used if possible. Okay, so let's move on. Most of you buying a car for a teen are going to spend somewhere between seven and $20,000. I know that's a pretty big range, but uh, and you may not want to spend that much, and I get it. If you're going to buy a pickup truck, you're going to spend that much. Uh, if you're going to buy a Jeep, which I don't recommend, you're going to spend that much. Uh, if you buy a four-door sedan, something a little bit ugly, maybe like a Hyundai Sonata, not that they're that ugly. I mean, I think it's a pr- pretty good-looking car. A little Mazda, uh, Mazda 6, Mazda uh, 3. The, Mazda builds really good vehicles. Nissan Sentras, Nissan Altimas. You know, these cars are, are reliable. You're not going to pay as much for one of them as you would pay for a Honda Accord or a Civic. I know your kid has said, i got to have an Accord. I want a Civic. Don't buy that for them. Buy them something that they don't want. <laughs> I'm serious. They haven't earned the right to get what they want yet. Well, maybe they did have good grades. Maybe they're a good kid. Great. Just don't reward them with, with a car. You know, get, get them basic transportation. Maybe you do that for two years. This is your opportunity, child, to show your level of responsibility with a totally different kind of, of task, and that's driving, owning, maintaining a car. And I would make them maintain the car in terms of you know the basics. They need to learn the basics of how the car operates. You need to bring them to somebody like me and let me go through uh, an educational experience with them about the car. And, and what, you know, most people never see the bottom of a car. I don't even know that you have. You probably have if you're old like me. But if you haven't gotten under a lift and had somebody identify what everything is, uh, then you've missed out. And a lot of the things that you uh, should have learned probably would have saved you money when you went in to get the vehicle serviced. So that's kind of a a side note. You want to have something that has a really good crash rating. That makes sense. At least four or five stars uh, on the front and side impact tests. And so just about all the vehicles come with standard electronic stability control. And, um, you know, you want to have something that has pretty substantial curb weight. I'm not going to buy my kid a Geo, or a Geo, that's an old name, a Chevy Metro you know, one of these like Chevrolet Sparks, something like those really, really small cars, even a, a Ford Fiesta. Nah, I'm not buying them something that size. I want them in a midsize car if possible. Maybe a compact, but definitely not a subcompact. You know, here are a few examples uh, that they give for, for consumer reports. A Ford C-Max Hybrid. They would probably hate you forever if you bought one of those for them. But <clears throat> 2014 through 15, they do get really good uh, fuel economy. You can get up to 50 miles to gallon with that. It's got a little size to it also. Mazda 3 sedan or hatchback, 
Okay, a few others here, the Subaru Legacy, the Subaru Impreza. Those are good vehicles. The problem, you're going to pay a little bit of a premium for those because they come with all-wheel drive, which is not a bad idea, you know, for a young driver, especially if the weather gets bad. And it doesn't have to just snow, for example, for a four-wheel drive to be a valuable thing. And when the roads are wet, many times they're slick as well, and all-wheel drive is a not a bad idea. Volkswagens, I think they're great. They're very safe cars, but reliability might be an issue there. Uh, mentioned the Mazda 6. You know, the the uh, the Ford Fusion, we've sold a lot of Fusions. That's been a very good car. Matter of fact, it's built on the same basic chassis as the Mazda 6, and uh, it's been a, a, a very good car. I wish Ford hadn't stopped making it, but because they stopped making it, um, it's a pretty good value. You can find them out there. Now, if you're thinking about a small SUV, not a bad idea. You know, one of the things I like about it is the higher driving height. They can see better out of it. They're not sitting down like they are in a car. So the visibility is better. Uh, the Mazda CX-5 Honda CRV is going to cost you more. I was just looking at a 2014 Mazda CX-5. Average price is $10,200. That's for a 2014 model. A Honda CRV, same model year, fourteen nine. So about $5,000 more. I just soon have the CX-5. And when you get into a little bit bigger, like a, what they call a midsize SUV, the Ford Edge is a good choice. You know, 2015 Ford Edge, you could probably buy it for around twelve nine dollars to $14,000. And you have either front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive. Chevrolet Equinox is another good choice. Again, you know, you're around $15,000, $16,000. GMC Terrain, which is the same vehicle as the Equinox, and about the same price. Hyundai Santa Fe is a good one. They have some minivans listed here. I wouldn't recommend that. You want as few people in the vehicle as possible. You know, if you could just take out the rear seat of the car, that would be even better. So if you're unsure about what to buy for your teen driver, you know, get a list together of things that, they, that are acceptable to you whether it's acceptable to them or not, and send them to me. I'll be glad to look it over and give you my evaluation on those vehicles. My email address is Lenny, L-E-N-N-I-E, L-A-W-S-O-N, 2020 at gmail.com. And my phone number is 423-552-2020. I will repeat that towards the end of this broadcast. Now we have to think about, okay, we got them a car. Let's say you bought them a little Mazda 6. And, uh, you know, it's not what they wanted. They wanted a, a Jeep, brand-new Jeep Gladiator. Tough. And now, but they have access to it, and they've gotten used to the idea, and they say, okay, can I put a stereo in it? Yeah, you can put a stereo in it. Can I change the wheels? And no, not yet. Just make sure that the tires are good. You know, it's your job as the parent to have somebody really inspect this car and make sure that, you know, if it's a... If it's an import, if it has a timing belt, make sure that that timing belt, especially if it's over 60, 75,000 miles, somewhere in that neighborhood, make sure that the timing belt is changed. Make sure it's serviced. Show your kid how to check the oil and to adjust the air pressure in their tires and insist that they do that at least once a month just to you know teach them some good habits about car maintenance. Make sure there's a jack in the back and a spare tire. Yes, they may not. Uh, they may break down someplace that doesn't have cell service. 
show them how to change the, the tire on their own. I don't care if it's a girl or a boy. They can, they can put some muscle into it and break loose those lug nuts. Show them how to do it because it's important. Show them how to jumpstart a car as well because that'll, that'll come in handy someday. I would have a set of jumper cables in the car for them just in case because some of their buddies may have cars with dead batteries and they might want to come to the rescue. You know, they can be a hero. But aside of that, we need to think about tracking where they go. My parents didn't have that technology. I was glad that they didn't. But times have changed, don't you think? And uh, I think we need to track our teenagers and what they're doing. There are several good apps. One of them is called Life360 that you can download. And it will track the, uh, the vehicle. It doesn't just track the location of the child. It lets you know their driving behavior, such as the speed phone distractions, hard-breaking acceleration. Uh, if your teen driver gets into an accident, the app will send you an automatic message and an SOS alert for emergency assistance. Now, it's very important, though, that your kid doesn't disable the location services on their phone because then you can't track them, and they're probably smart enough to figure that out. So another alternative is to put a programmer on the uh, on basically make it part of the car. You plug it into the OBD port, and uh, that's underneath the steering wheel, where they would like check check engine lights and stuff like that. And it, it will actually do so much more. And you can actually limit the speed that your kid's car will go. Uh, it'll actually uh, has a puts a governor, for lack of a better word, on on the speed and keeps it from going faster than whatever you set. I just want to make sure that my kids can't disable. Not that, would they do that? Some might. Uh, you want to be able to maintain control. And do you have the right to do this? Absolutely. You have the right, and I think you have the obligation, simply because there are so many different weird things going on in this society now. There's too many vulnerable people, and too many kids are subject to bullying and uh, you know, peer, uh, peer intimidation, that type of stuff. And a lot of the misbehavior takes place in a car. And I, th I just think that that's uh, our responsibility as parents. If they don't like it, you know, tough, it beats walking. And I do speak from experience here. I mean, I had three kids, and um, they were all different. My oldest boy um, was, let's just say, uh, a little reckless with the cars. Occasionally, and matter of fact, he wrecked three of them, and they were never new cars. They were always just, you know, stuff that he wanted to to lift, you know, like a, a Chevy Tahoe or a, an old Blazer. And uh, you know, when you lift vehicles like that, you you drastically impact the center of gravity, and they tend to be top heavy. And he would try to drive those things like he's driving a sports car. And on two occasions, he went off the road, and on one occasion, it, it rolled over. And uh, I got the phone call and went down there, and there it was. When I r rode up to it, all I could see was the bottom of it with the wheels still spinning. That was scary, yeah. And so, you know, as life goes on, I mean, my son, as most of you, if you've listened to this show for any period of time, you'll know that he was killed in a car accident. And so... Um, I have a great sensitivity to this subject, 
I want teenagers to be safe. And uh, I think that, yes, I did give my kids too much too early when it came to cars. They were always used cars, but they were nice. I gave my middle child a used BMW, and uh, it was a manual transmission. I wanted her to learn how to drive a manual. She said, well, Dad, I can't drive a manual. I said, well, you're going to have to learn. You know, I, I think that's important, too. I think whatever's out there, everybody needs to know how to drive it. It's amazing to me how many kids can't drive a manual transmission. And some parents will say, well, why is that important? Well, that might have to be the escape vehicle sometimes. And if you jump into it, you know, you might have a big T-Rex behind you chasing you down. If you can't drive a manual, then you're cooked. So I just think it's important. But, you know, my son, when he was uh, in his accident, uh, he was driving a Honda Accord. Now, you know, as far as the accident is concerned, a truck pulled out in front of him. And um, he just, I guess, didn't have time to stop. I don't, you know, we never really got to find out the true details. And, and quite frankly, uh, it really didn't matter to us. Um, but it's just something that, that uh, we have to take seriously is the safety of our kids. Now, if, if the vehicle that he was driving, um, if it had had some of the technology that we have today, then the accident would have never happened. You know, it's one of the things you need to think about is the newer, like I'm talking 2018 or newer vehicles, have automatic braking. So, you know, I don't know whether it would have worked in that circumstance. It, it could have. You know, the airbag technology has gotten a lot better. I think that vehicle was a 2007 Honda Accord. And so, uh, you know, technology has gotten better. Airbags are work better, faster, uh, and also the, the integrity of the vehicle itself. You know, they hold up better under a severe collision. So, you know, if you've got the funds to be able to buy a, a, a safer car, that's fine. I just I recommend that you don't buy them something that's going to be a magnet for other teenagers or for a lot of attention. I still like the rule of it being just they're just slightly ashamed of it. But we are so influenced by our kids, you know, we want them to be happy, right? Well, that's not always a wise decision. So think about some of this stuff. If you know somebody that's got a teenager or you've got one in your family that's getting ready to come up, you just kind of step back from that. Step back from all the, oh, I wish I had this and I wish I had that. You know, let's get to a reality uh, of the circumstance that they're getting ready to step into. Responsibility. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with having them earn something. Now, maybe they've had good grades all at this point. You want to buy them a brand new Jeep. Just don't. Just wait. Get them something else. You know, take them to Cancun or something. Well, that's probably a bad place. Okay, I'll take my last break. I'll be back here in just a minute. Okay, one more thing. There are some great schools out there uh, that will teach your teen driver how to handle all kinds of different situations on the road. And they are offered by a lot of different companies. I was reading an article in Car and Driver magazine, and it was talking about hands-on defensive driving courses that are out there. Tire Rack. Have you ever heard of Tire Rack? A lot of people buy their tires and have them delivered to their home or to a shop or something through this particular company. But they offer a uh, uh, driver training that is called Survival Teen Driving School. It's for 15 to 21-year-olds, 
And uh, it's for those who already have a driver's license. It runs $95 for a full day of classroom and closed course driving. So each student driving um, gets to ride along with a, uh, an instructor. And they've been operating for 16 years. Uh, for the past six years, they have held more than 100 schools a year. So you can go to TireRack.com and check out their Street Survival Teen Driving School. And that might be some of the best money you ever spent. I know that uh, there are other schools that are available. Sometimes you have to, that well, they're associated with some of the racetracks around in the region. Uh, there's one I know at Road Atlanta which is near Gainesville, Georgia, and it is run by the Skip Barber Racing School. There's another one called Bondurant Racing School. So they're out there, and if you do a little research, uh, it's something you could do. I mean, you could actually drive your teen to Atlanta, for example, and you know, they could go to the school, and you sit in the stands and watch, or you go to uh, go shopping while they're learning how to handle a spin you know, do some hard braking and, and really feel what the car is doing when it's, when it's stopping and what, what different types of technology is on the car to help them drive better. You know, just to learn to ha- how to handle an obstacle course. Um, you know, one of the hardest things to learn is how to handle a spin. And they can actually put these devices on the car that as soon as you turn the steering wheel and hit the brakes, the car goes into a spin and they teach you how to correct that. So sounds like good stuff, doesn't it? Well, I hope this helps. If you have a teenage driver, somebody coming along, uh, this might be something that makes a difference for you. Well, thanks for listening to this edition of My Car Guru, and I'll see you next time.